The question for this morning is, how do we prepare? How do we prepare? And what I want to put forward is we prepare uh, by singing to God. We prepare by singing to God. And this seems super basic. We come together and, and we, we sing together every Sunday. Uh, but I think we do it so often that we could forget just how incredible this is, that we get to sing to God. We don't sing to Phil, as great as he is. We don't, we don't sing for the people next to us. We're singing to God. And we get together on Sundays and, um, and have this opportunity during the course of the week to be able to sing to God. Um, but, but why, what, what is with this power of singing? What, what is music and singing, what is this all about? And I want to put forward this morning that music and singing has access to depths in your psyche that your reason cannot penetrate. How do I know this? Because I am a young father. And if you are a parent of a young child, then you also, and your home also, has been terrorized by the movement that is Baby Shark. <laughs> do you know this movement? It's this song um, that goes, baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark. My kids love it. And at 5.30 in the morning when I don't want a parent, I just turn on baby shark. Super effective. So this Chinese company put together this, this digital video and it has become a movement. Um, so much so that, that uh, my favorite late night host, James Corden, um, got a group of people to get, I'm not showing another video, don't worry. <laughs> I have 30 minutes, let's just show video after video after video. No, no, so, he, you know, he, he, um, I, we were over at my in-laws for Thanksgiving, and I was telling uh, my brother-in-law that it's become a movement, and I show him this video. And um, the fun thing is, four hours later, when he's, like, getting ready for, uh, for us to do our family activity, I just hear him humming to himself, Right, and so there's a power that music has, and so, um, so uh, you know, I look it up because the internet is useful, and um, there's actually been a study on it in this Journal of the Psychology of Music. There's a thing, um, and they talk about this phenomenon called involuntary um, memory of music, and they say that ninety ninety percent of the population. Um, has this experience of music getting stuck in their head. Um, and the, they, this journal article, as summed up by time, um, <laughs> because, you know, I'm not exactly going to read the whole article, but as, as um, summarized by time, says that um, they, they give you all these tips for how to get songs stuck in your head. They can explain, you know, they, they have some reasons about um, how, how uh, you, could, you could work it, it out of your system but they can't quite explain how it got there. And so all I can say this morning is I think there's a power in music and in singing to, to kind of drill down into the deepest parts of your psyche. And so what if maybe, just maybe, we use that power um, and we use music as a way to align ourselves and recenter ourselves back to the reality of God. Uh, maybe, that was, um, maybe that was the purpose in the first place. Um, and so why do we sing? So in Luke, we read Luke 1 this morning. It's a story of Mary and Gabriel. And I think this passage, um, this chapter as a whole, gives us three reasons to sing. And it's three images. Um, first, there's angels. Two, there's barren and virgin women. And three, there's feasts. 
um, or tacos. And I'll explain that. So first, angels. And the key thing here is we can sing um, because there's a plan. So um, in the first century, these, these Jewish um, these, these Jewish, um, these, these Jewish, these Israelites, um, they were living in the hope of, of God showing up. Uh, their land was colonized by great powers. It was the Greeks and it was the Romans. And at that time, they had a governor who was appointed to kind of oversee the area. And so much of the macro that was, of, of the, the macro events taking place in the world gave them little sense of what exactly God was doing, right? Um, there, was, there was this longing for the, the wrong to be made right. And what you find throughout Scripture is whenever an angel shows up, it's because um, the, 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 the people are being told that God has a plan, that God has a plan, that he hasn't lost the plot, that he still knows what's taking place, that he still is fully sovereign over everything that we see all, even on the chaos that we see on the news, that God has a plan. But more than that, what exactly is that plan? In Galatians 4 and 5, Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might be a part of his family. Right? So the, there was a plan. There's always been a plan. We, we flip on the news and, it, and we, we think, what is going on? And where is God? And often throughout scripture, what we find is a reminder time and time and time again that God has a plan. But more than that, that the plan was for him to show up. And Christianity versus every other world religion, and where, we're, where this is different is because in every other world religion, there's a prophet that says this is your way to get to God, but no other world religion will make the, the great claim that God actually shows up. In our time and in our history, God actually shows up. And I think few things capture it better than the video of Adele and her impersonators. So what you find are people who are, who are longing for their hero, who are wanting so much to emulate him because, because when they think of him, they're inspired about who he is, what he does, and the impact that he has on the world. And so what do they do? They imitate. And they spend their hours centering and aligning their lives around their hero. And what happens? Um, their hero takes on a disguise, steps into their world, talks with them, introduces himself, herself to them. And, and the fun thing about this video is she starts to sing and they know her voice. In scripture, Jesus writes, my sheep will know my voice. They hear her voice and they know that there's something about the way that she sounds that they've heard before because they know it so well. And, and as, as they realize what's in front of them, they can't help but be able to proclaim um, and sing along with their hero, I, I, can, I can make you happy, make your dreams come true. Isn't that our story? Isn't that our story? Living in the brokenness of this world, sensing that there's something greater and then God shows up, takes on a disguise, walks among his people. And we celebrate the fact that he's come. That he's not some distant figure just telling us how to get better so that we could get to him. But he enters into our time in history. 
he shows up and introduces himself and says, this is what I'm like. Um, So he shows up. He shows up and he has a plan. And the plan has always been for you to know him. Um, And that's the reason why we can sing this morning. Angels. Two, uh, we can sing because in the story there are barren and virgin women. Um, and the question this morning is, you know, that's that's great that God has this cosmic plan, but but how do people like me participate? Like, what does that mean for me? Right, because it, it just feels so far out there. It just feels like, okay, you know, um, there there are, there are other groups in history who who have you know great plans for whole societies, but what does it mean for me personally? And, and what I want to say this morning is, you know, our participation in His plan is very much dependent, from what we see in Scripture, is very much dependent on our surrender to the Spirit's power. Um, Throughout this chapter, there's an offer to surrender. There's an offer to surrender. Why do I say that? Um, What I love about the passage, and we'll see it here, is just how wonderfully personal it is. Um, And surrender is hard. And surrender is hard, but what we can see are, are some of the obstacles to our surrender. Okay? So three obstacles to our surrender. One is um, your assumptions about what's possible. Two, your dignity. And three, your baggage. So let's go one at a time. One, um, one uh, the first obstacle to surrender is your assumptions about what's possible. And what I mean by that this morning is not that, um, it's, not, it's not great and sort of lofty things like, um, because the, the Bible makes these great claims about um, God coming to earth and God dying and um, God coming back to life. And, and there's a lot that we, we could find sort of unbelievable about that. But, but what I'm not even talking about those, those larger, bigger things. When I talk about your assumptions about what's possible, I'm, I'm mainly talking about things in your life that you've said, Lord, this, is, this isn't really even possible for me. Um, in the story, Zechariah is met by an angel. And the angel tells him that your wife will have a child. And the first thing she says is, um, the first thing she says is, how can that be? He says, how can that be? Because she's of old age. We're of old age. It's impossible. And you see later in this story that Zechariah's been praying for it, but he never actually believed it was possible. And so the question this morning is, what in your life have you said, you know, God, I, I'll pray about this, but I don't really believe this is actually possible for me. What have you put in the box of, what, what have you put in the box of your life as saying, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that this is actually possible for me. Because, because in scripture, God is working so intimately within the problems that he finds of, of the very characters in the story. He deals so personally with them and he wants to deal so personally with you. He wants to deal so personally with you. We can pray for things and, and not even expect an answer. But our surrender is based on the fact that we can pray for things and actually believe, and actually believe that he could do it. And two, um, not only our assumptions about what's possible in our own lives, but also um, our longing for dignity. Um, I think from a young age, you know, we're, 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 built, uh, we're built in order to pursue avenues of, of, of success and respect, and so much about this movement, this Jesus movement, is the farthest thing from that. Um, 
when they introduce the story of, of Mary, uh, it talks about how um, Mary, the, Gabriel goes from the presence of God to Nazareth. And, and why this is important, because in another one of the Gospels, in John, two characters are talking with each other. And one says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Um, on a trip to um, Israel, we were, um, we, were, we were brought to the city of Nazareth. And what we found is the larger region that it was a part of, Galilee, uh, was, was this fertile land. And this little sliver of Nazareth was the only section in this large region where land was infertile, which means that in agricultural society um, was the place that, that was the most under-resourced. So what you find in, in the first chapter of Luke, this angel goes from talking to Zechariah, who's in the temple, which is you know the, the key center point for all of society, and he goes off to this, this backward town of Nazareth. And so much of this doesn't fit into our, 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 our worldview and paradigm of needing the best institutions, of coming from the best pedigree. The followers of Jesus were, were initially described as uneducated, common, ordinary men. And so much of our surrender, um, so much of, of surrender is, is based on being able to admit being able to admit that, Lord, I, I, just, I, just, I just want pathways to dignity and respect. But what you want from me is to lay that down. Uh, lastly, um, what you find is that one of the great other obstacles that we can bring um, is our baggage. Right? Our baggage. So I love the line that Elizabeth, when she's told that she's going to be with child in her old age, she says, my reproach among the people has been taken away. You've taken away from me my reproach from among the people. Um, and I think this speaks so much about the shame that, uh, the shame that we carry. The shame that we carry, that, that we sense that we're not adequate enough. And what you find the Spirit of God transforming in the midst of this story um, is, is personal stories of shame. That interpreted in light of the movement of God, um, that, that he writes, rewrites the narrative. And what the Spirit wants to do is, is we offer up. The only thing that these, these characters contribute to the story are their weaknesses and their shame. And it's the Spirit of God that transforms it. And I think this is, I mean, last week Jimmy talked about the sense of being undignified before God. And that moved me so deeply. We want, we want to be we want to be dignified. We build our lives around being, being respected by other people. And time and again, the reminder from Scripture is, if you want to follow me, you need to surrender. Surrender your longings to be seen by others as, as, as respected and noteworthy. Um, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Um, last we. Um, we, the reasons why we sing first, because there are angels, um, to their barren and virgin women, um, that teach us that God is the God that makes the impossible possible. And three, there are feasts. Um, in verse 53, Mary responds to everything that the Lord has shown her and the way that God has transformed her life. 
Um, and he, he, she sings this beautiful song. And in the middle of the song, she, she says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And we talked a few weeks ago about the sense that in the kingdom of God, there are these grand reversals. Um, the weak before God are elevated, um, and those who find themselves or feel themselves secure in, in their ability are humbled. And for me, I'm just thinking about this again, um, is a reminder that what, what we need to have is this posture of humility. And, um, I, was, I was working through this passage um, on, on Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock. I was trying to figure out what exactly it, it meant, um, what exactly it, it meant for us to be um, filled with good things. And then something happened at 5 p.m. at the space I was working at. So we're at this co-working space, and 5 p.m. on a Friday is happy hour. Um, and usually it's pretty measly. But in a setup to this, let me just explain the week that I've had. Okay, so Sunday we go to church, a couple friends. Uh, we go over to Taqueria, you know, solid local spot. Um, get two tacos, eat a lot of chips. Pretty good day. Um, on Tuesday, I go over to see my buddy um, in Princeton to kind of study for the message. We walk over to Princeton downtown. We go to this place called Taqueria with a C. And I was like, man, he looked at me. He's like, oh, I forgot. We, had, we got Mexican on Sunday. And I was like, that's okay. Let's have it again. On, um, uh, during the course of the week, my, my wife, she comes home. And she comes home with, with books uh, from the library and, uh, for our kids. And so um, one of the books that I read to Ezra a few nights this week is this book called Dragons Love Tacos. It's happening, right? Um, if you, if you, there are these things called sacred echoes, things to, to pay attention to because I think the Lord is speaking to you through them. But on Thursday, I go into this meeting in the city that I have for training, and um, I walk in. It's usually pretty catered. Well, it is catered. Uh, it's, it's usually pretty good, and it's Moe's Tacos. It's happening, right? And, and you have to understand, when I'm working at this co-working space, then I go home and I read Dragon's Love Tacos to my to my son. Um, and then and usually on Friday nights for happy hour, it's like, um, it, it's, it's pretty limited. Maybe prosciutto, maybe some cheese, you know? N- nothing crazy. Uh, Friday night, 5 p.m., I'm working on this, just like tossing. I know I've got, I've, I've got an hour before my next thing and I, I've got to figure this out. And I look over and I look up at the countertop and what do they have? Tacos. Um, and this sense came over me. Um, the sense that, that what I felt, the spirit telling me through this week of tacos is there's just more. Um, there's just more. Um, there's abundantly more that I can give. There's a, there's, I could surround you. I could surround you with tacos if I chose to. I could, I can, I can, and, and the last two out of the three times, you don't even pay for it. just coming at it. You're not even choosing it. Oh, wait, I forgot. On Friday that afternoon, I, I went and got lunch, and I was working. I just need something quick. And I, and, I, and I forget that I just had four days of tacos, and I went over to Taqueria for lunch. <laughs> and I brought some home to Jewel. So actually, so, so it was in light of that that I, you know, it was just a sense that there's just more. That you can be flooded with it. And the sense of you can be filled with good things um, is... is we can sing as a prayer to be filled because there's just more. 
because um, as, we, as we surrender our lives to him and actually believe that God meets us, there's more. There's more of his presence. Um, and what he wants to do is he wants to surround you with his presence. He wants to surround you with it. He wants to chase, it, chase you down with it. Um, he wants to surprise you at different corners at your, at your workplaces with reminders with the fact that he's, he's with you. He wants to follow you home. Um, with books to read to your children and remind you that, that his presence is with you. Um, and so we sing this morning. We sing to God. I, I mean, honestly, like so much of, of music time in churches um, is because we're from such like, a, like an event mindset, right? It's just, it feels like a warm-up. Um, but what if this church is known for the fact that we, we actually believe that when we sing, we sing to God? that he hears us. And it becomes the prayer that we lodge deep into our psyche so that when baby shark comes in, we say, no, this is prayer time. This is prayer time. Um, and so won't you sing? We're going to get a chance this morning. Um, I'm going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to do communion, so we're going we're gonna to get a chance to feast. Um, and then after that, we're going to get a chance to sing, and won't you sing? Sing because he has a plan, and his plan was always for him to show up and introduce himself personally to you. Sing because he's the God who makes the impossible possible. Um, And sing because he longs to fill us. Let's pray.